Hey everybody, welcome to the PR Podcast. Help you guys get a better insight on how to master your bodies and raising your PRs in and outside the gym. I'm Joseph. I'm here with my two amazing hosts, Annabelle. Hi. And Morgan. Hello, hello. I feel like I just saw you guys like a day ago. Seriously. It was less than 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> we just recorded the uh, amazing uh, Thanksgiving episode and Olympia debrief episode. And now today we'll be doing a, a Q&A. It's our first Q&A. And I feel like we've been talking about a Q&A episode since like episode one. And so it's nice that we finally got around to it. So um, a few weeks, probably like two months ago now, uh, we put a post up on the PR podcast Instagram. Make sure you're following it. PR.com podcasts and we actually asked you guys to send in questions so we can answer them on a future episode which is today so we have some questions pulled up here but be, before we get into that um how are we feeling today guys good really good you guys hit the gym yeah no rest day oh no yeah i did actually <laughs> yeah i was deadlifting today <laughs> i was like my apple watch told me you did so <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah we're, we're all we're today. all synced up on the apple watches yeah. so i see all your guys' workouts and how much calories you guys be burning and I'm sure you guys are happy that you're not getting like quadruple notifications now since I'm not on prep anymore for me. Oh, yeah. yeah. You were training late. 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 Mm. It's like 12 o'clock. That was cool, but, though. It was really cool to see. I was like, okay, he got it. <laughs> but you know what? It's not it. that bad because, I mean, you train at night. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't get any no- notifications. Oh, because you have your watch yeah. off. And then when I wake up, it's just like, ding, 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 ding. ding. That's all good. So what did you guys train today? Well, I'm train? I'm training after this. So okay. I have uh, legs after this, which is my first leg day since um, since my show, like before before the prep. And so I'm like, I'm terrified because it's going to be a heavy leg day. But Thanksgiving is tomorrow. So, you know, bring all those extra calories in. Yeah. But I'm, I'm definitely going to be sore. Yeah, yeah, you're going to be sore. Yeah, you're shaking your head. Yeah, like, it's going to hurt. <laughs> because the, the, the last two weeks of my prep, I purposely cut out a leg day to add a second arm day. And everybody's like, oh, my gosh, you skipped leg day. Yeah, I did because it was for a purpose. It's and a no goal. secret, guys. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Do you <laughs> see you, the length of you. your shorts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The quads are not required. Yeah. No. So, yeah, so this today's leg day. I mean, it's going to be good to finally get back to that motion of doing legs. And so I'm excited for it. Cool. That's good because you, you told me, too, that, I don't know, uh, men's physique might not be in your future anymore. In a couple of years, because you're saying, and I quote, "I'm getting too big for this this category." Yeah, I'm a bi- I'm a big boy. So you might go uh, classic physique yeah. eventually, uh-huh. right? Well, I did. Well, I did classic physique last year. Um, I actually got pro qualified, but I never uh, converted to be a full to to be a pro. So mm-hmm. I actually did very well in classic physique, just from years and years of training legs. So I have a pretty good balance aesthetic. Um, but for this year, I was like, I'm only, I only want to focus on one category and just really just put all my time and effort into one and it paid off. So, um, yeah, so maybe two or three years, I'll probably fully convert over to uh, classic physique and try to be a champ champ. And classic physique for, for us noobs, that's like the, the chonies, like the underwear, the booty or shorts. The shorty- okay. Yeah. It's the booty shorts, but not the speedos. Okay. Okay. So the shorts, so it's more legs and fl- like more fluid posing. Is yeah. that what it is? Like more, more like artistic fluid. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. Yeah. I love it. Uh, I like, fun. I like the classic physique. Um, I, I like their, the way they do their posing. I like that category a lot. What about you, Annabelle? 
How's your training um, coming along? I was like, oh, no, no, no plastic physique for me. Uh, good, <laughs> good. <laughs> this morning I had a um, heavy bench press light shoulder session. So early, like at seven-ish. <laughs> I saw that. That's fun. You're now uh, part of the crew, the morning crew. Yeah, right. yeah. Newly converted, thanks to 75 Hard. Mm -hmm. So it got me used to waking up early. I cannot commit to being outdoors that early because it's so cold but the gym is nice like uh the rec center at the college has a sauna i mean it's set up like a 24-hour fitness and students are not there that early so it's super empty so it's kind of nice do you do you like it better or is it the same thing um so i'm still kind of getting used to it because i think what i liked about training at night is i had almost a full day's worth of calories like aside from like my last meal um but it's so nice to just get it out of the way and I haven't gotten myself used to waking up because I'm training fasted in the mornings like I'll just have pre-workout or some sort of like caffeine but I haven't gotten myself to the point where because I'm, I'm not usually hungry we'll talk about this a little bit later but I'm not usually hungry in the mornings so um I think eventually I do want to get myself used to at least having something like a little like protein shake or something just so I have that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm liking it. I'm enjoying it. It's cool. It yeah. And you said you're following a, a new program. Yeah. Uh, mind pump, uh, mind pump media has a new powerlifting, uh, program that they just came out with recently. So I'm in, uh, I think this is the, fifth week fourth week fourth week of the program um yeah i mean it's a it's a lot of fun it's i mean it's programmed by the mind pump guys but they brought in a power lifter who helped them kind of mm -hmm. create it and it's just a fun template to follow i mean i'm, I'm having fun with it and you said uh Demoteo is doing it too right yeah yeah he's following it too i think we're, we're Pretty much at this, he might be like one or two like workouts behind me now, but because I mean, he's still refs and stuff. So, but yeah, I know he, I mean, I think he's having fun with it too. Yeah, I'm excited to see him uh, finish the program and test again uh, because, you know, I called him out last time when he, when he attempted that PR for the squad, that was a quarter squat, quarter squat gang oh, for sure. Dang. Yeah. So he needs to make it up. <laughs> no pressure, Tim. No pressure, man. But pressure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Okay. How about you? What was your... What's my, my training today? I did deads, deadlifts, some pause deads. So I'm actually training for the Arnold. I don't think I've Arnold. mentioned it. Yeah, the Arnold. So Arnold. <laughs> 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 do it again. Do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Get down lower. Yeah, so yeah, you're good. He's like, it's a body. It's a bodybuilder thing. It's a bodybuilder thing. Yeah, so I'm doing that. It's in March, Columbus, Ohio, in the middle of nowhere. Um, pretty excited for that. Pumped. I'm really excited for this meet. I wasn't that excited for uh, nationals. There's a Fit Expo that goes along with that, right? Yeah, it's the Arnold Sports Festival. Ooh. It's huge. So it's crazy because when I was looking up, I already started looking up for uh, flights and hotels. And that weekend is the most expensive weekend out there. Wow. And it's because of, of the Arnold Sports mm -hmm. Festival because um, it's very huge. They have Strongman. They have um, other big sports. Powerlifting, of course. Powerlifting is like a tiny 
sport compared to everything else that's going on there. And then all, obviously the Arnold, the bodybuilding show, yeah. it's huge, mm-hmm. you know, um, IFBB, right? Yeah. Uh, and then Arnold's always there. So it's, and they have like the whole convention thing, like booths everywhere. So it's going to be pretty cool. So I'm excited for that. That's a big stage. Yeah. Yeah. So ready for that. Train for that. Training's going good. Can't complain. A little, little, little easy at the moment, but you got to trust the coaches. So <laughs> being patient with that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah that's right. Because you're, you're not prepping yourself for this. Yeah. So this one. I don't think I've talked about that either. Right? No, you haven't. And this is the first time, right, where you actually have a coach. Yeah. So like I said, so this time I'm excited for the meet because for nationals, for example, um, I had so much on my plate that I was just overwhelmed. And my own training kind of took like a behind, like a back burner. It wasn't the back burner. It wasn't like my priority at the moment. So um, did not perform well at nationals. So I was like, okay, let me get a coach so they could help me out. And um, so far I'm happy um, with the strength guys, um, with Alfred and John. And they're doing a fantastic job, but I feel like... Good job, guys. Yeah, they they got to let me loose a little bit, you know, but got to trust them. Yeah, got to let me out the cage. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm telling them, like, come on, man. Damn. Yeah, and uh, and I'm the same way for my shows. Like, that's the reason why I have Dan um, mm-hmm. as my prep coach because, yeah, I could do the prep myself, but it's just so much easier to let somebody else handle it, someone who someone who you trust and you know mm-hmm. knows what they're doing. It just takes so much stress and, and responsibility off your plate. Yeah, yeah, and it helps with, like, being accountable and not being biased towards yourself. Yeah. Just having a second pair of eyes. I was just going to say the biggest factor, yeah. or not the biggest, but one of the main factors might would be the accountability and just having an objective like yeah. pair of eyes. Yeah. yeah like another it, opinion. It helps another, for sure. Mm-hmm. We're our own worst critic sometimes. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just freak out. Like, <laughs> yeah when i'm I on prep I, fr- I freak help. out i'm like i need to cut carbs i need to do more cardio and dan's always there to be like you're fine you're on track chill out you know don't don't overdo it so mm-hmm. it's definitely good you want to get into these questions yeah here yeah. we go question number one so, and about read it off question number one and who's it, this who's is it by? from christopher t films hey that's my videographer what up chris <laughs> christopher t films asked what's your take on intermittent fasting Ooh, big question, right? Intermittent fasting is gaining more and more popularity. A lot of people are doing it now. Yeah. And for the most part, there's a lot of pauses that come along with it. Um, it's kind of hard to do it wrong. Um, the main part of it is just you're not eating for a certain amount of time. Um, Annabelle, I'm sure you're going to get a lot more into detail yeah. with this. Well, I'll just start off by saying like our intro episode, I mentioned how one of the main reasons I changed my major from everything else I was trying to figure out what I was trying to do uh, to nutrition was because uh, my nutrition professor was talking about this concept. And um, I need to give credit where credit's due because Tim was trying to tell me about this thing called intermittent fasting even before I heard it in my class. But, you know, you know how that goes. (laughs) um, Yeah. But in that class, he was talking about because this was several years ago now. So a lot of people were like, you have to eat. And especially, I know, especially like in the bodybuilding scene, it was like, you have to eat to keep your metabolism up every couple of minutes. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> every you have two to, hours. Yeah. Every two, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You have to carry eight minutes. meals with you. Yeah. And you have to wake um, up in the middle keep of the that night. flame burning, keep that metabolism burning. But he was actually a strength coach, like training athletes who was practicing intermittent fasting. So, um, 
a lot of research has gone into, especially for um, children, like in a clinical setting for kids with epileptic seizures, um, intermittent fasting, and even now like uh, the keto diet or being in ketosis like is helping those children. But um, it's kind of trickled its way into the fitness industry and um, people using intermittent fasting as like a way to manipulate their eating schedule uh and a lot of misinformation is out there about how it's like a secret to helping you lose weight faster you know like all these all these things there's definitely a lot of benefit but intermittent fasting still does not beat the laws of thermodynamics like you still in order to be dropping body weight or body fat you have to be in a calorie deficit so Intermittent fasting is more of like a timing thing. And intermittent fasting is used a lot interchangeably with uh, calorie restrict or calorie or no, 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 sorry, sorry. Um, Like timing, like Mm -hmm. food timing restriction. So like you're limiting the time, you know, so in studies it's used kind of like interchangeably. Yeah. And that's where the, um, the problem kind of, kind of lays that people think that intermittent fasting itself is causing you to lose weight. Like, Oh, I intermittent fast. Intermittent fasting is why I'm losing weight. Where, not really. You're losing weight because you're not eating as much food. Because it has nothing to do with intermittent fasting. You could not intermittent fast and bring in the same amount of food that you would if you did intermittent fast, and you would get this pretty much the same exact results because you'll still be at a caloric deficit. So intermittent fasting itself does not cause weight loss. Being at a caloric deficit does. Yeah, and so- and just like you said, there's no way around that. You can't beat that. The studies that have been done that have compared a group of people who have, if you control for calories, calories and macros are exactly the same for two groups of people, you're not going to see a difference in weight loss. It's just more of a convenience. So the people, for the, for the most part, the people who are intermittent fasting are finding that they're more satiated because you're reducing the time of your your feeding window. So you're eating larger meals same amount of calories as the other group, but you're eating less frequently. You're fasting for part of it, and um, you're just more full. You're more satisfied, like with larger meals. So that's part of the benefit. Um, do you use intermittent fasting, Morgan? Well, well in, in simple terms, um, I'll to kind of re- reiterate. So let's say if you intermittent fast, and for that day you brought in fourteen hundred calories because you intermittent fasted. If you bring in fourteen hundred calories, whether you do it within a four hour span or a twelve hour span, you're going to get the same results. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I I do it. Like right now I'm doing it uh, because I'm training in the morning as well. And I don't get hungry in the morning. So uh, I'll train. And then after I train, I'll break the fast. I'll eat. And then I'll eat for the next eight hours. And then whatever time it is and go go to sleep. Eat again. If I'm cutting for like a competition, like if I'm what I shouldn't be in reality. But like, for example, for the last meet when I was training, um, just because I was eating less calories, I was trying to eat bigger meals. Mm-hmm. So I would fast because just seeing more food on my plate was more satisfying than having a bunch of little meals throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's pretty much it. I don't, I don't use it much, but when I do is usually cause I'm on a diet or because of my schedule. Like if I know I'm going to be traveling or something, then I'll do intermittent fasting just because I don't want to be like worrying about my food, like my diet. Sometimes I'll just go on the road, find a place to eat, and then later on eat again. So it's more like timing. 
yeah. nothing crazy. It's definitely a, a tool. Yeah. So it's it's something that you should practice and ease into it. Um, I know there's a lot of different protocols now. I think one of the most common is the 16-8. So you're fasting for 16 hours, which is not a huge deal. Like if you think about it, you're that's almost just like skipping either breakfast or dinner, depending on what you prefer. But there's also like alternate day fasting. So people that do 24-hour fasts like every other day or a longer fast now too. So there's like 48-hour fast, 72-hour fast. But um, in the end, it's ultimately a tool. And um, a lot of people who try it initially or like um, don't really know how to approach it have negative like effects from it. If you're not used to it, um, that's probably kind of common. Um, like one of the strategies I use, um, I mean, you definitely want to drink a lot of water. So fasting just means that you're not consuming anything that has calories. So um, or enough calories to, you know, break your fast, like quote unquote. So I use coffee, tea, um, tons of water. I mean, anything that doesn't have calories. A lot of people will even use BCAAs if you know, they feel like it. Um, but yeah. So um, one thing too, I did want to mention with intermittent fasting is some people are concerned. And I think Lane Norton brought this up um, is if you're intermittent fasting, but you're trying to gain muscle or um, improve your performance in the gym, there's concern about intermittent fasting. But a study was done in 2017 where they compared um, two groups of people and they were trained individuals, so males. So um, for eight weeks, they controlled their calories, so the same amount of calories and macros. One group was fasted. They only ate within an eight-hour feeding window. The other group ate normally. And then they did this uh, practice for eight weeks, and then they switched. So it was like a cross-sectional study. So that kind of like helps account for like any variation that they might be, that there might be with the individuals. And what they found was there was not a significant difference in their performance or hypertrophy between the two groups. It was ultimately the only difference was happened was if there was a preference, like if there was a group of or, you know, a handful of people in either group, either group who was um, used to eating breakfast or just preferred eating breakfast uh, versus the ones that didn't. So it's kind of another. <laughs> and you said you were using it during your competition, right? Yeah, it, it just makes it so, my prep so much easier day to day. So sometimes I wouldn't have my first meal till like 2 or 3 p.m. And so just like Annie said, just like so I, I was able to have that smaller window of of, uh, of timing to eat. And so my, my meals would be a lot larger because if I started my, my eating at 8 a.m., then my meals have to be so small because I'm such a on a caloric uh, restriction. And so by by doing the intermittent fast for like the 16, 18 hours sometimes, mm-hmm. it made it so much easier because my meals were so much bigger and I would actually feel the feeling of being full. And so it made it feel like I was eating more than what I actually was. But now since I'm no longer um, so restricted with calories, my first meal, I'll have it, you know, 9 a.m. sometimes. So, yeah. yeah, so now I don't really incorporate it as much anymore. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't need to. Yeah, so ultimately, it's like it's a pretty good tool. And if... So there's a, a chronotype, like uh, so people who tend to prefer to sleep in later, stay up later, um, maybe don't do so good waking up early, getting their day started, getting breakfast, like having to worry about that. Intermittent fasting is good for those types of people, which I kind of would consider myself one of those. Like I'm 
up usually late. Um, I can wake up early, but I'm not usually hungry or ready to have a meal right when I wake up. So it's just beneficial to be able to just not have to worry about that. Like you mentioned too, Morgan, like for traveling, like road trips, it's just nice to not have to worry about where's my next meal coming from. Like I know if I fast or if I don't have a meal for X amount of hours, I'm going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah, And then I, one thing too about like fasting, for example, when you're on the road, after a while, like you'll be hungry, but then when you don't eat, it just goes away. Mm -hmm. And then once you, but, but once you have that first meal and then you wait again, you get hungry. So it's kind of like a good way to just wait it out a little bit and then, then have bigger meals in a shorter period. Yeah. When my, um, when my athlete, Anthony competed in Venice uh, a few weeks back, um, I purposely fasted the entire day and his show didn't end until almost 5.30 p.m. No gains. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I fasted the entire day because I knew we were going to have like a, like a cheat meal after his show because you know, we're gonna, we were going to go out and celebrate. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I know that's going to be a super high calorie meal. And so I was like, I know I could fast for a long time because I was already on prep. So I was like, let me save these calories for this post-show food. And that's what I did. So I didn't have my first meal to almost like 6 p.m. So I fasted for, if I had to guess, probably like 18, 20 hours. Nice. And but I was fine because I was so used to doing sixteen hour fast that it was just an, an additional, you know, four or five. So yeah, it, yeah it and then working out. just to uh, be clear on that, so what you ate was probably roughly around your what your calories are at, right? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I still didn't go over calories. Yeah, because I know there's some people that will fast, and I see it all the time on social media. They'll just start like eating out, eating burgers, and mm-hmm. all this, and they think they're going to lose weight. And then you end up stepping on the scale and you're a little bit heavier because you're still eating way too much. Just because you're fasting, like you guys said, it doesn't mean uh, you're going to lose weight, but you could also gain weight if you're just overdoing it. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm guilty. I've tried fasting in the past. And when I first tried it, I was so hungry that when (laughs) I finally was able to eat, I I stuffed myself. Yeah, baby steps. Yeah, and I was like, oh, fuck. (laughs) So, yeah, so start off small caution. and then gradually start to increase hit your, your time macros and hit the macros. Make sure, yeah, yeah. if you're checking calories, it makes it a lot easier. Yes. What do we have for question numero dos? So, question number two from Danny Williams 044. He asked, um, I was wondering what you thought were good milestones to aim for for the big three lifts for a beginner slash intermediate lifter. And he's talking in terms of percentage of body weight or otherwise. And to be clear, Morgan, what are those big three lifts that he's referring to? So I'm assuming he's talking about the squat, the bench, and the deadlift. Oh, I was thinking uh, calves, abs, and forearms. But. <laughs> well, those, of course, you know, but those are exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> and I lost it. Okay, so... <laughs> Let's just off. start off by... <laughs> How dare you? I, he started thinking about his calves. That's why. <laughs> like, they're so massive already. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> okay. So uh, first of all, I'm going to say this. It it depends and it's not the same for everyone. You know, we are all different body weights, different heights, different genders, different genes, genetics, whatever. So everybody's going to be different. But I did find some stuff online, which is... I remember people... Are, would tell me this too like do you squat uh, or bench uh could you bench your body weight could you squat two times your body weight could you deadlift three times your body weight so those are i'm assuming that's what he's talking about those standards so i found these online uh it's actually off the men's journal <laughs> but uh some of them go 
for like, for example, the squat 1.5 times your body weight that according to this, that's a good squat. And then a superhero would be like 2.5 times your body weight. Um, deadlift a little bit more, maybe like half more of that. And for bench, half less of the squat. So one times your body weight would be a good bench. Um, I think these standards, to be honest, don't don't do much for you. It wouldn't be like a strength athlete. Yeah, it this wouldn't be. Kind of like- yeah, this is like, I mean, even for us, the only time this matters, like strength standards or that's what he said, right? Strength standards. Mm-hmm. It's maybe if you are a strength athlete. Uh, like, for example, me, I'm a powerlifter, so the numbers matter. Mm-hmm. But if we're like, um, just if you just like to work out, I don't think you should be so focused or is it two times my body weight or is it three times my body weight? I think those are cool to set goals for yourself. Like maybe if you're squatting 1.5 times your body weight right now, the next goal should probably be two times your body weight. And that should just be a goal, but it shouldn't be like the standard because then once you hit that, you know, then what? You're still going to want more. So just little baby steps, I think it's good. Um, so I don't know if I answered that good enough. I don't know. What do you guys think? No, I, th- I think it's great. Yeah, I think if you're um, a beginning lifter and you don't really have like, you know, mm-hmm. just like you say, if you're, not, if you're not a competitor, I think those are good goals to have, you know, bench pressing your own body weight and then, you know, uh, was it deadlifting uh, one point? Uh, it's like. Well, well, 2.5 times your body yeah, weight. 2.5 yeah. and, then, and then squatting 1.5 i think those are great milestones for, for the average person you know if you just want to go in and just be considered strong mm-hmm. like oh yeah uh, you know i'm pretty strong for i'm pretty strong for my weight you know people tend to say that oh, i'm pretty i'm pretty strong for my for my weight i find those are good those are great milestones yeah and i think one of our or one of our episodes on women and lifting we were talking about like relative strength gain yeah. so women because we're we tend to be Smaller frame, smaller body weight. Um, women have the same like goals for strength progression. So there's several charts out there too. I know uh, Brett Contreras has a chart. Um, Mark Ripito, and you said this is Men's Journal. Yeah, just um, just found one online. Yeah, and there's lots of I mean charts that kind of give you the standards. And I like how this one had like superhero or what. Yeah, they say? call it Average Joe. times. Sorry. (laughs) And then it said above average. Like, for example, the deadlift, it was 1.5 times your body weight. That's average. Uh, The next one is above average, which would be two times your body weight. And superhero would be 2.7 times. 2.75 times your body weight. And what I kind of like is these numbers came from something. So I'm assuming that they maybe grabbed like or did like a survey or either like an observation like study or the averages of what people are doing yeah what people are doing in the gym so like if you're above the average it's kind of you know it just gives you like a benchmark or a milestone Mm -hmm. to aim for aim beyond push beyond yeah i think they're just good to set goals for yourself and then uh don't get so fixated on like you have to delve three times your body weight or because like for example the squat the squat is a superhero is 2.5 times and then deadlift is 2.75 times so this is a uh, assuming that your deadlift should be stronger than your squat but that might not be the case because mm-hmm. you might not be built to deadlift you might have short arms and big femurs so you're screwed <laughs> so you might be built to squat so it might be like five times your body weight you know just exaggerating so you know yeah they're all right i guess yeah okay and our last question 
This is from Manny, who is Joseph's client. Holler. And Manny asks, what kind of advice can you give for people who are working to get on stage for the first time? And part two, how did you coach Anthony on this to get to number one? I love, I love that he asked that question considering he is now one of my clients. So before, before uh, or when he wrote this, he wasn't yet. So. Oh. Okay. So pretty close. He he is actually one of my clients now. So he five he, he kind of according to Instagram. Yeah. So, so he, he kind of <laughs> knows the answer to this question already. Um. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it really depends on why you're doing the competition. Um. Obviously, when I was 22 and I was doing my very first show, I did it just because I wanted to. I wanted a new goal. I wanted to to remotivate me. I was already in the gym for a few years, and I wanted something to kind of take me to that next level. And that was my motivation to really push myself and get really, really strict with my nutrition and, and, you know, just, just step on stage. Stepping on stage itself is its own accomplishment, especially if you're a first time competitor. So, um, if that's your goal, if you want to just prove to yourself that you could be extremely strict and you want to see what kind of physique you have underneath all that body fat and just see what kind of, you know, how you look after, you know, just years and years of hard work, then that's, that's phenomenal. You know, um, if you feel like you need a coach, then go for it. Like obviously if you're a pretty, you know, if you're pretty novice when it comes to nutrition, get a coach. If you're pretty novice when it comes to posing, get a coach for that. But um, a lot of people are, they're so self-taught nowadays. A lot of people never went to school, have a great um, knowledge on nutrition. Um, you know, they watch tons of videos. They know how to kind of do posing on their own. So if you feel comfortable doing it yourself, I mean, if you want to challenge yourself in that way, you could do that as well. Um, so yeah, so I guess it really kind of depends on what the reason is and why you're doing the competition. Um, if you're looking to take it far, then, you know, hire the right person, know somebody who's, who, who knows what they're doing and so, they, so that they could guide you in the right direction, the right way the first time. And you could not have to do all of these mistakes that I did myself when I did my first show because I didn't have a coach. And there's a lot of things I wish I would have known by and it, it, it would have been a lot easier if I would have had somebody. Uh, and I want to follow up. So it's hypothetically like if i'm new to this what am i looking for in a coach um and would you say it's a good idea to sh like shop around like are you looking for compatibility are you looking for like what their history with like previous clients are or like are you looking at education or more like applied like experience like what are you looking for in a coach or what do you recommend personally for me i would look for track record and experience uh, i would want to hire somebody who i know has been through it multiple times um they, they know what to expect they, they've been through trial and error countless times and so that if i ever run into something a problem they know how to fix it because if you you can have a coach with all the knowledge, but he's never if he's never been through a prep, there's things you can't learn in a book when it comes to to a competition prep. Plain and simple, like you need to go through that that hell in order to know what your competitors are going to be going through. So um, that's why I chose Daniel Ziegler whenever I first started competing, um, because he was he, he's done multiple competitions, and I knew that he knew if I ever had a problem, he would know how to solve it. And so that's why um, even for me, it took me so long to actually take on clients because I wanted to make sure I had that track record before I even offered training to clients uh, for that same exact reason. And that's why now I do feel comfortable. Like if anyone wants to train with me coaching for a competition, I'm like, let's do it because whatever you're going to go through, whatever you're going to experience, I've been through it. Trust me. And I can help them get through that. So for me, if you're looking for a coach, definitely track record and 
I mean, if you're going to hire somebody, make sure they have a good track record too. make sure that, you know, if they've done 10 shows and they place last place, last place in every single show, cause they're not actually pushing themselves or falling over the right program. It's not the, the best track record. I'm not saying they have to be a world champion or anything like that, but you know, if they've at least won at least a show or two, and, and if they look like they have a really good presentable physique that's consistent, then uh, that might be a, a good coach to go with and make sure they still know what the hell they're talking about, especially when it comes to nutrition. Um, yeah, so that would be my, my, my best uh, advice when it comes to coaching. And then part two of the question was, how did you coach Anthony to get to number one? Yeah, so it was Anthony's uh, first show. He's never competed before. And um, when I brought him on, I needed, uh, I don't know how many times I verified that he was mentally ready. Like, I probably asked Ooh, him. How did you do that? <laughs> I asked him about like 30 times. And um, I, I trained with him myself. And I wanted to make sure he had the workout intensity to hang with me. I'm like, you're going to work out with me for a while and I need to see if you're gonna be able to hang make sure you're not you know a quitter and he hung with me for a long time and it got to the point where he actually ended up being my workout partner and so I was like all right man like you know are, are you sure you're ready this is what it's gonna feel like this is what you're gonna go through and so I gave him all this you know advice um, ahead of time of what what the prep is gonna be like and he's like yeah I'm ready I'm ready I'm ready and so whenever I felt like he was definitely ready mentally then I was like okay Let's, let's go to start this prep then. So uh, we started off. I gave him all the information he needed. I gave him his full breakdown of macronutrients. I had his cardio planned out. I had all his workouts planned out. And and he, he honestly, he executed everything to now on the head, like perfectly. Job, Anthony. Yeah. So um, he did his very first show, which was um, out there on Venice Beach. And he ended up taking first place in his novice class. So he took overall novice, which is first time competitor. And then um, he took second place in his open class where, in my opinion, he he um, he should have won it. Um, but it, it is what it is. But, yeah, so he followed the program 100 percent and he had um, the positive outcome to come along with it with his hard work. OK, and so with this, I have two follow up questions, but do you have do you have anything? OK, so any differences um, with women or men or women, like any different advice that you would have for a female? I mean, should a female hire a female coach? Should a female, you know, what are some differences? That, that's a tough one. That, that's a tough one. I personally do not train females because it is harder. The female body. What do you mean? Yeah, no, <laughs> honestly, I feel bad when I talk to bikini competitors and I hear how their preps are because of how low their calories are, how much cardio they are doing. Um, and for me personally, I do not know how to prep a female for a bikini competition and nor do I want to even put a female through that. Um, so if you are a female, make sure you have like, it, I think it's more strict for a female to make sure you have the right coach because you could really do some damage to your body. If you are if you hire somebody who doesn't know what the hell they're doing with, with the, the female body. Um, so, um, Kudos I don't to you because that's. That's like a whole like group of people that you could be taking as clients that you're not because you're exactly. being responsible. And That's... and I made <laughs> like for me it's not just about hey, give me your money. There's no, it's not about that. Like I wanna I wanna make sure that I'm able to bring out your full potential when you step on that stage. And for me personally, I can't do that with the female. That's all there is to it. I know I can't. Um like and we kind of touched on this one of our previous episodes 
women are a little bit more cyclical with Mm -hmm. hormone fluctuations and there's a little bit more going on and things to consider that exactly i mean i'm Um, i don't even know (laughs) as far as should you only hire a female if you're a female no Uh, there are guy coaches out there that know how to handle that female body and for coaching. <laughs> hey. Stop it, Morgan. <laughs> for, for coaching, for Can't competition take you guys prep. Anywhere. Um, so, yeah, so for, for, for competition prep, there are male coaches that do phenomenal jobs as long um, as well as females. And I'm sure it goes vice versa, too. I'm sure there's a lot of female coaches that don't want to take on male clients for the same reason because the male, the male body is different from a female body when it comes to these competition preps. Um, but I do take on uh, females for standard uh, training just because obviously they, it's more for general health. Um, but when it comes to competition prep, I, I purposely avoid it. So I, I only deal with males when it comes to competition prep. Okay. And I have one last question. This is for kind of both of you guys. Um, maybe a little bit more controversial, maybe not. But um, is a physique or bodybuilding type competitions for everybody? Yeah, I feel like anybody could really do it as long as you put your mind to it. Like, um, there, there's really no, there's no like physical limitations that prevents anybody from doing a powerlifting or a bodybuilding competition. If you're if you're a normal healthy person, okay. I would I would say no, and only because, um, and let me preface by saying I've I'm not a competitor. I've never done it, but I've talked to enough people researched enough to know that a lot of um, body image insecurities are really prominent in the fitness industry, but especially in competitions um, and stage competitions. And I know a lot of people who have uh, disordered eating patterns or tendencies go into um, stage competitions with those or come out of them with them. Yeah. So, and I, and think, I think that's like a psychology component of mm-hmm. like competitions, which I think in that case, it would be very beneficial to have a coach who's experienced that's and what I was gonna say. Yeah. knowledgeable, but in the same token, I just, I don't feel like people get as much out of it as they hope to. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people kind of rebound really horribly after. Yeah. And of course that's, that's going to differ person to person. And that's, that's another reason why you want to have a good coach that not only knows how to prep you, but also knows how to reverse diet you properly after your show. So you don't destroy your body and have this horrible rebound. Um, and so that's what I did with Anthony. As soon as he was done, like, you know, let him splurge for two or three days. And I go, hey, all right, here's your reverse diet plan. Now you need to get on this. You know, we want to make sure we are able to recover your body properly at a you know speedy momentum. And we're able to get you back in the gym and just, you know, get your hormones back to, to normal levels and get you just lifting again for fun. And you feel good again quickly. Um, yeah. So that's another that's another huge thing. And, you know. When it comes to psychological stuff, I think, you know, that's going to differ person to person. For me personally, I don't have those body issues. I have no problem doing a bulk and putting body fat on. My abs go away. I could care less, <laughs> to, to be honest. I, I really don't care because um, I know how I know what I needed. I know what I can do to get them back as well. But yeah, so that, that's going to differ person to person. But I think if you have a good coach, he'll or she'll prepare you for that and let you know like, Hey, you know, this is where you're going to be. And 
when you're done, it's going to kind of suck because you're not going to have, you're not going to be that shredded no more. And it goes away really, really fast. Like within a day or two, you're not going to look like that no more. Um, so, you know, if you have a good coach, they'll kind of mentally prepare you for that and make sure you're, you know, going to be able to handle that. Do you have any? Yeah. Could you repeat the question? So I asked if you think like stage competitions is for everybody. Okay. Um, I don't think so. I think it just like you guys are saying, it depends on the person. Um, just because I feel for a bodybuilding competition, male or female, you have to be mentally strong and you have to have just a good uh, your Your psyche needs to be good about yourself because you see it all the time. Like people feel, oh, I'm going to I'm going to get on stage and compete to feel better about myself because if I look this way, I'm just going to feel better. Mm-hmm. And then once your abs are gone, you're just in a horrible place. You get depressed. Uh, you come out with eating disorders, all this bad stuff. And I don't think it has to do with the coach. I mean, yeah, if you have a bad coach, of course, it's going to be bad. But Joseph, you could have a you could be a, you're you could be a great coach, but you could have a client that's just dealing with stuff inside that there's no way you're going to be able to handle that. And it could mess that person up. And it's not the coach's fault. It's it's your own fault because you're just not ready to take that on. And um, so I think it's not good for everyone. Is it good for some people? Yeah, it's it's like a sport. It's a challenge. Mm-hmm. I mean, life isn't fun if you don't have anything to challenge your challenge yourself with. Um, yeah. And and again, like, for example, me, I personally I, I don't think I'll ever do a bodybuilding competition simply because my focus is strength. And when you're dieting and you're basically starving yourself for a while, you're not gaining any strength. If anything, you're trying to hold on to all the muscle you've worked for. For dear life. Yeah. So again, that's why I would say it's not for anyone. I wouldn't say it's horrible, but I don't think it, it just depends on the person. So if you want to do it, go for it. Um, Cause there's great coaches out there. Just make sure, like you said, you're mentally ready. You know what you're getting yourself into it's not like a, a walk in the park kind of thing. Yeah. It's a it's a whole different beast. Like yeah. I see people and I'm just like, yep, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Props to you, but I'm not going to do that. Yeah. So I appreciate that you said like it's a sport and I appreciate that you mentioned like it's a challenge. Like yeah. it's a physical, but it's more, I think, more than physical. It's a uh, mental challenge. It's definitely, it's a it's game. definitely more it's mental than anything. Yeah. Because I type it, I go, I go, working out is easy. We, I mean, if you're the typical person that's mm-hmm. working out in the gym, you want to do a competition, you're already working out. Mm-hmm. But the mental, when it comes to your eating and it comes to working out twice a day for some people, like that mental and having to go to family functions and not be able to eat that food because you're on, because you already have your own meals, like that stuff, it gets to you, especially if you're new to it. Like for me, I'm so used to it. It's a walk in the park for me now. Like it doesn't bother me going to family parties, doing and holidays. And you're used to it and your family is also used yeah. to it. So they're mm-hmm. more, I mean, I'm sure like competitors and maybe even you like at first got a lot of that, like just one beer, like yeah. just or, a slice of pizza. Oh, well, you can't have like, pizza. Oh, yeah. you're too oh, good for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Especially so. you know Hispanic family. You know they they, they, they talk that smack. <laughs> yeah. You know, so you know so, they, they, they'll yeah. they'll kind of throw it at me. But now, like whenever I'm on prep and they, like they literally don't say anything no more because they're used to it. You know, I literally yeah. walk into a family party with my six pack uh, bag and <laughs> pull my meals out, and they're like, eh, it's just it's who he is now. You know, yeah, and they, yeah they're they're used to it. But better believe for Thanksgiving. I'm eating their food. <laughs> <laughs> Going all in. All in. All right. Yeah. Well, that's it for the Q&A questions. 
Yeah, so we're definitely going to be doing another Q and A. We, we we definitely want to keep these going just because there's there's yeah, we have there's, so many questions. Yeah, say, there's definitely more than just three questions that people sent in. So a lot of good questions. Yeah. So thank you everybody that submitted a question. <laughs> yeah, so we're gonna definitely keep these Q and A episodes going. So always feel free to um, always hit us up in our DMs and send us fitness questions, health, fitness, lifestyle, or anything you want to just know about any of us personally. Um, if you want to send some funny questions in, we'll be more than happy to answer those as well. Um, but yeah, just make sure you guys give us all a follow on Instagram. Uh, remember, Annie did change her Instagram name to evolve.annabelle. Yes. Yeah. Uh, mine is fit underscore influential and Morgan's is um, Morgan.Aquino. <laughs> did I fix good, it? I yeah, fixed it, right? Good, I caught it. <laughs> Morgan.Aquino. Aquino. <laughs> and then all the sh- spelling <laughs> and everything will be linked in Gosh. the episode notes. <laughs> And then follow the PR podcast page at pr.podcast. And if you guys can, give us a positive five-star review on iTunes. Obviously, um, the more reviews we get and the higher ratings we get, it'll move us up on the charts so more people can find us. Shout-outs. Give us some Mm shout-outs. Share. Share. Instagram stories. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Was this useful at all? Was this helpful? Let yeah. us know. Do you guys like this? Are we doing a good job? <laughs> yeah. Are we wasting our time? Taking this Validate up? us. Yeah. Are we doing a good job, guys? Yes? No? <laughs> and um, should we start to bring guests on? Ooh, who would you guys like to see to be our first guest on the PR podcast? Send some suggestions of, of people you who you think. So, um, yeah, we'll probably think about bringing like Joe Rogan on or like The Rock or something. I might just uh, hit up Arnold when I want some in Columbus. Can we go to that? Yeah, you can. What is is it expensive? We'll talk about this later. (laughs) Road trip. I know. Let's go. All right, guys. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Peace.